This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Do you all have a member which costs $75 a year, right? So, um, right off our Shabbaton, which Hashem, it looks like this year might be in December instead of February. We want to make it early. Um, so you get 10% off the Shabbaton. That alone is going to bring you back almost half the money that, that on the $75. Um, Avinu Malkeinu, Mitz Hashem next year. Should be in Eretz Yisrael. Um, you also like a, tw- a $36 seat you get for $25. It's another $15. Chinese auction, you get $20 worth of, it's another $20. Um, now, let me explain to you, I can't get into exactly how the Shidduch, Shidduch Initiative Program works, but it works. And, and the reason that we have membership for the single girls is so that we know who we should have this initiative for. We are giving an initiative to all the Shadchanim in America that do Shiduchim to Red um, or Nava girls, and we're making it worth their while. So, so that goes towards that initiative. So the only way that we'll do that for the girl, we don't know, so anyone can be a part of this. Any shock and call by Red or Shidduch, you know? I want, I want you guys to send me a check. So we have to, we have to get members. If you're a member, then you're a Nava girl, then if that Shachin does what he's supposed to do, then, um, then uh, we're going to take care of him in a, in, in, in a monetary way. And that's going to take all the Ornava girls and put them at the top of the list. So this is very, very important. And the way, that we're, we're, the way that we're paying for it is by, one of the ways is by the membership. Besides, if you just go down the list of all the different, artscroll.com, any safer you buy from, on artscroll.com, 20% off. So you're going to make back, I mean, and all the stores, I mean, there's so many stores, there's Glotmart, all the food that you buy in Glotmart, and, and um, there's just, just there's like, uh, there's pizza shops, there's cleaners, there's clothing stores, um, the buzz, there's just, it, you'll, you'll make back the $75 probably in the first month, and, um, and it helps Ornava, and it helps you, and you get a membership card, like a credit card, with your name on it, and um, it, it's really spending money to, to help Ornava and to help the girls in Ornava. So uh, we kicked this off. We, kick, we have 3,500 girls registered in Ornava on our, on our computer, you know, girls that came through here and that were part of Ornava. Um, we figured that we'll probably end up with 1,000 members, which would be nice. So we, we kicked this off with Vino Malkenu, and I think we have about 15 members. Nobody took it serious. Now, we went to all these stores, and we begged them to, you know, to... Give, to give off to any girl that walks in with that card. Because they don't want to give off 10% in a clothing store. That's a lot of money. And we said, you have to do it for a Nava. And they're like, we got like 50 stores on here. You'll see the stores. So they're like, we're all the Nava girls. You know, you begged us. You made us crazy. You made us crazy. And we did this for you. And you don't seem to have any members. So um, it's for your sake. So uh, you can register in the back. You can register online. And um, it's a, you'll, you'll get Mamash like a credit card. Okay. We, 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 we want to make a membership to Arnava, I think. And, and, and even if you're not in Shidduchim, so you, still get, you can still save a lot of money. And it helps Arnava. This Sunday, I was by him for Shabbos, Rabbi Klatsko. It was amazing. Um, our high school had a Shabbaton by him. So Shidduchim, the professional edition. Um, so that will be a Mitzvah Sunday. Also Jumba, which I, I, I know has something to do with Mumbo, Jumbo, Yumbo, something, some kind of... Well, Zumba, right. I know, I know. I'm just kidding around. Um, APM, Improving Our Patterns of Speech by Mrs. Ivy Calzan. Sunday night's like a really powerhouse this, this coming Sunday night. You have, um, you have Ivy Calzan. You have Ben Sion Klatsko. So um, 
What? Who? Klatsko speaking on Sunday. Yeah. Nine o'clock. Monday. What? Rabbi, all right, when is it? You didn't write it down for you. When? Okay, um, you guys loved by the uh, Avina Malkani. We got such unbelievable reaction to Rabbi Lazar Brody that we decided to bring him here. So Rabbi Lazar Brody in November will be giving a shear in Oinava here. So um, my, what do, you, what do you say, my sisters? My, my, my holy sisters, okay. So your holy brother is coming in November. Um, no, it should be amazing. It should be amazing, Mitzvah Hashem. And he's also afterwards going to sign, you know, the different books that he has. Um, the Garden of Amuna and the other books. On Monday, next week, you can't miss this. In fact, Mitzvah I hope to be here. Miss Ahuva Gray, um, from Christianity to Judaism. Um, she is amazing from what I hear. She will, she will be here, um, in Mitzvah Hashem Monday, 9 o'clock. The first time she's ever been here. I hear she's absolutely fascinating. Um, She's a special uh, guest speaker from Eretz Yisrael. 7 o'clock will be wedding, wedding dancing. Anyway, it's, it's not something uh, that you want to miss. So uh, she's at 9, at 8 o'clock, and I hear, I hear this has been going really good. How to create an emotional savings account in your marriage by Rabbi Daniel Schoenbuch. So we really, we really went out there to get you speakers and, um, and, and to keep you busy. So I hope you'll all be there. Take a look at Ahuva Gray. Take a look at the, at the flyer. Um, it's not something you want to miss. All right. Anyone here ever hear us speak? Eretz Yisrael? No? Don't miss it. What? You have her book. Okay, well now she's coming live. So we got Brody and Gray. Because of good things. Amazing. Okay. So this week, Pashat Vayera. But before I get to Pashat Vayera, I'd like to speak about a Rashi. And Pashat Lech Lecha really has a lot to do with your poem. Because you said something interesting. Wherever I am, Hashem is. Right? So... In, in last week's parasha, um, almost the last pasuk, pasuk chavhei, it says the following: "V'yishmol the son of Avraham ben Shloisha he was thirteen years old. V'himoloi as pesaro The pasuk before it says, "V'Avraham ben Tishim b'Teisha Shana v'himoloi pesaro lasay." Avraham was ninety-nine when. When, when he was circumcised, not when he circumcised himself, but when he was circumcised. Why didn't you say that he was, he was 99 years old when he gave himself a brismila? Says Rashi, says Rashi, the following is one of the most important Rashi's in the Torah. Not tell Avraham Sakin. Avraham was 99 years old. He took a knife. Okay, I had a kasha last night. Was it a knife? It was really a stone that was very sharp that we learned. From David Amelach, because when David Amelach shot the the three stones or the five stones that he shot through um, through uh, the the Goliath's head, so Goliath was wearing a heavy metal helmet, and and the rock should have bounced off. But the Medrash says that the metal opened up and let the rocks through to kill Goliath. It was a miracle that the metal opened up and let the rocks through. Those rocks that he used were five rocks that were used from the beginning of time to do bris milah. Because we see in the Pasuk by, by um, Tzipporah, when she did the bris milah by Moshe Rabbeinu, when the snake was swallowing him, so it says she took a tsar, and she did the bris milah. Tsar is a very sharp flint rock. So, so the Medrash says that he had in his pocket five of these rocks that were used for Tamal Kla Yisrael when they came out of Mitzrayim, when they got there. All the different times that they had bris milah, 
So those were the five stones, and those stones, when it hit the metal, so the Kedusha, the Brismila of Klai Yisrael, Brismila um, exemplifies morality. That's what it exemplifies, morality by the Jews. So the metal opened itself up, and the Tsar went through. So the Medrash says that from that day on, so David HaMelech said that since the metal didn't act in its natural state, that it would bounce off the metal, and it opened up, that from now on, that the Brismila will be done with steel. Because the steel opened up to, with, with metal. The metal opened up and allowed the sword to go in and kill Goliath. So, Mida Kinegamida, Dabra Melech said from now on, no more using a flint, th- uh, very sharp rock, but instead using, using metal. So my kasha on this was a little bit, because Rashi says that he took a sakin. A sakin is a knife, but it's very possible that the knife was taken made from a, a stone that was very, that was very sharp. Anyway. Verotzalachtoich. Ramavina wanted to, to do the bris mila. But he was scared. Tarashi. He was scared. He was old. He was scared. His hands were shaking. It's a part of a person's body. And he's doing a bris mila on himself. So Rashi says he was scared. He couldn't, he couldn't go through with it. Beautiful Rashi. So what happened? What Hashem do? Here you have Abraham Avinu. He's got this knife in his hand. He wants to do bris mila. He's 99 years old. He's scared that uh, his hands are shaking. Beautiful Rashi. Shalach Yadoi. So Hashem sent his own hand. And he held onto Avram's hand. And together they did the bris mila. How do we know this? We say it every morning, girls. You say it every morning. He did it. The bris he did with him together. So we see from here a fantastic lesson for every Jewish person. That there are many times that a person wants to change. You're scared. It's hard. Your hands are shaking. Your heart is shaking. Your soul is trembling. I can't do this. I can't go through with this. I can't make this change. My friends, my this, my that. I can't do it. You have to know that Avraham Avinu you know, we have this picture of the, always of everyone that everyone in the Torah was perfect. The Torah is telling you specifically, no, even Avram Avinu, at 99 years old, his hands were shaking. He said, I'm not doing this. But he wanted to do it so bad that Akash Baruch Hu, his own hand, we can't even understand this, his own hand held on to Avram Avinu's hand and he did the bris milah. So my question was, why does Hashem just do the bris milah? Why do you have to hold on to Avram's hand and do it together with him? He do the bris milah. Do it yourself. And if Hashem would have done the bris milah, Avram Avinu would have never gotten sick. Because whatever Hashem does is perfection. He would have hopped off the table and gone back to life. So if Hashem saw that he wanted to do it so bad, what is the achaz biyad? He has to hold on to his hand. The surgeon, you do it. And the answer is, girls, and this is so important in life, Hashem doesn't do it for you. He doesn't do it for you. He does it with you. He wants you to be part of it. And therefore, you can't just sit back and say, okay, Hashem, you do it. You know, you're God, you take care of everything. You find my shidduch. Okay, we go into this whole big question. I've never found an answer to this question. I think that every, the answer to this question is that everyone has to know 
you know, in their, in their own, on their own, of how far you need to go. In other words, okay, so what's, uh, do I have to go fly to Florida to, to, to get a shidduch? Do I have to fly to Baltimore? Do I have to go to LA if someone reads me a shidduch? Like, like, what's, you know, how much do you have to, how much does a person have to do? And it's a, it's a question that girls and boys ask me. I don't have an answer. You can't really give an answer to how much do you have to do. How much of a living do you have to go? Can you sit back and say, okay, you know, lottery. I'm just going to buy a lottery and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to win. You have to go, you have to go get a job. You have to go to work. But then you don't have a muna. Right? So we're, we're, we're the histadlus is the big question. It's called histadlus. Histadlus means how much do you have to do? So girls are always asking, what's my histadlus? There's a guy, if I'm red in LA and I live in New York, do I have to sit on a plane for six hours each way? Maybe he's, the, he, maybe he's, maybe that's, maybe that's my zero. Maybe I have to fly, you know, I have to fly. I don't know. Like what's my histadlus? There's no, I don't think there's a real answer. I think, I think everybody has to know their own hishtadlis and how much you have, you know. What was Avram Avinu's hishtadlis here? He held a knife and he wanted to do it. That was his hishtadlis. Because came and said, okay, I'll do it with you. So it's a very hard question. Hishtadlis is a, I don't think anyone has a real answer, you know. So, so one of my daughters wanted to go to a certain, to a certain seminary. And I'm very connected. So, it was a shoe-in that Rob Wallstein's daughter that she's going to get into this specific seminary that she wanted to go to. I know I'm very close to the guy who runs it. I'm close to the guy who runs him who runs it. I'm close to the money guy that's above the two of them that runs it. It was like, no problem. They're going to see Wallstein. They're going to, you know, she's going to get in. And the, the bottom line is that she didn't belong in that seminary. For whatever reason, that wasn't really the place for her. But that's really where she wanted to go. Okay, no. So, she gets the letter back, you know, Yom Kippur in, in, in high school, in 12th grade, when you, when you get that Tisha B'Av, not Yom Kippur, you know, rejected, not reject, you know, pending, which you know is not really happening, you know, pending, we have 900 people in front of you, and we have 30 slots, so don't worry, we'll, we'll get to you, you know, when you're, when you're 35 and you have 10 kids, you will Hashem, we'll let you to seminary, so, you know, pending, I mean, everyone knows we're pending, anyway, we didn't even get a pending, it's like, thank you for, eh, and I'm sure your daughter's, eh, you know, they write that nice letter. She's great. She's awesome. She's unbelievable. Don't you dare send her to my school, right? You know, that letter, it doesn't say that, but you know, like, okay. All right, so. But you're at Wallstein. We're not taking no for an answer, right? So I went ahead, and I called the guy up. I said, are you crazy? I called my friend. How can you say no to my daughter? She said, hi, it has to be the right thing for her. My school is not. It's just not. It's not a match. Whatever it is, I'm like, I don't really care. If it's a match, it's not a match. My daughter, I want to go to your school. Anyway, to my long story short, no. I went above him to the big man. He came to my office. He sat down. I'm like, hey, you know, I do a lot of stuff for you, and I work for Kleistrow, and now it's time to cash in. I'm only asking to, my daughter's a great girl. She's a great girl. She did well in school. She's a great girl. I'm just asking you to take her my school. I don't mix into the people that work for me. I don't mix into their, their decisions. I, I can't do that. I have a lot of school. I can't do that. I'm not mixing. I'm like, but I'm asking you to mix. I don't mix in. So I'm starting to get like really upset. I'm like, okay. I went to the money guy. I'm like, okay. Bottom line. How do we get her in? He, he talks to the other guy. The other guy says, I don't mix in. Anyway, he's going back and forth, back and forth. It's Geitnisch. It's just not going. Now I, when he said no, and then I called him, and he said no again, I was done. Because I'm, I'm very into, you do, that was my established to call, he said no, and he said no again, I'm done. But my wife is like, you do everything for everyone else. You get this kid into that school, you get this other kid into this school. A whole day and a whole night, all you're doing is getting girls into schools. 
and now our own daughter, you're not going to kill yourself? Eh? So, okay? Okay? So I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed, and wherever I pushed, it just didn't go. And in my heart, I knew this is not the place for her. It's just, Shemayim was like, no. But, continued pushing, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I understood by the second no that my hishtadlis was over. That it wasn't going to happen, and that I did what I have to do. If Hashem wanted it to happen, it would have happened. Now, you can, now, so the time it to me is, but for other kids, you, you don't accept that hishtadlis. In other words, you don't take no for an answer. You go through the back door. The back door's closed. You go through the chimney. Even if you have to put on a red suit and a white beard, it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> you, do, you do what you got to do to get that kid into school. Because when it comes to other people, I don't, I don't, I don't start making judges on what my hishtadlis is, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. When it comes to helping other people, don't start saying, well, I did my hishtadlis. No. Mm. When it comes to other people, you, you just got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Don't become from. All of a sudden, people become very from. Very religious. Listen, don't worry about it. I can't help you, but Hashem will. Listen, everybody has a Muna. You know, I go, I go raising money for Anava. Don't worry, Rabbi Wallerstein. You have nothing to worry about. Hashem's going to take care of you. You're running a good institution. You're doing it Lishma. Some guy's going to come knocking on your door and he's just going to give you money. And I'm like, hey, there's one time in your life you have to be an Apikairis. You don't believe in Hashem. Hashem can't help you. When it comes to tzedakah, you don't believe in Hashem. Shem cannot help this person. The only person in the world that can help this person is me. Says Apicarsis, the denial of God came into the world for the good, everything that's good and bad. What's, how can it be good? How can we denial of Hashem be good? And the answer is, when it comes to helping other people, you cannot say, Hashem will take care of you. Don't worry. You hear it all the time, right? Oh, don't worry. Hashem will take care. You have nothing to worry about. Listen, I need a ride to the hospital. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Hashem will take care of you. No, then you have to be an apikairis. There's no God. I'm an atheist. God can't help you. Only I can help you. We'll see this week's parasha. That, 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 that's chesed. So, it's mashma from this Rashi that, that what Hashem wants you to do is you got to put your hand you, you got to put your hand you gotta, the hand represents Misa doing something. You have to do something. And if, it, if, it do, if you can't do it but if you want to do it, Akash Baruch Hu says, I'm going to hold your hand. But I'm not going to do it for you. People always want God to do it for them. And, and, and it's interesting. How do we know this from the Torah? Because there's a mitzvah in the Torah that if you see your friend's donkey, and he's under a heavy load, and the donkey is dying, his back is breaking, right? So the, the mitzvah is, help your friend who has the donkey unload his donkey. But let's say, you go over to him and say, hey, help me, your donkey's dying. Help me unload. He goes, no, I'm tired today. I'm not doing nothing. You unload it. Chesed. The Torah says don't help him. Yeah? There's no mitzvah to help him. The mitzvah to help him is together with him. That's the mitzvah. Together with him. And that's what happened over here. Because Baruch Hu said, I'm not doing the bris milah for you. Sure, that would have been great. Hashem said, you got to hold a knife. I'll hold your hand. You have to do what you have to do and I'll hold your hand. In the end, I'm not going to get into it, but a year after my daughter went to that other school, we all understood because of who her roommate was that there was no way that she had to be that year in that school that she ended up in that dorm room with that girl in order to have a hashbar and change that girl's life. So as much as I was pushing to get my daughter and my wife and we were all pushing to get her into this other school, Hashem was saying, the girls in that other school don't need her. 
But this other school that she's going to end up, there's going to be a girl from somewhere, and she's going to be in her room, and she's going to save her life, and therefore you can push all you want, and it ain't going to happen. So that's a big question in Ishtadlis. It's very hard. I understood the answer was no. After two times, I, so each person, you, you have to feel inside... I'm pushing and I'm pushing and, and it's no and it's no and it's no. It's enough. Yeah, it's a feeling. It's very hard to tell somebody. You know, how many times that a girl tells me, I'm going out with this guy and, and, and I, don't have, I don't feel anything. So some rabbis say, you don't need to feel anything. Right? And some people say, you can get married and still not feel anything. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, really. Don't worry. Hashem Yazor. Hashem Right, exactly. Hashem Yazor. Hashem is going to help. You don't have to have any, you know, emotions for each other. And on the 50th anniversary, they're still looking at each other, looking, you know, they haven't had any emotions. Don't worry, don't worry about the 70th anniversary, it'll be good. Right? I don't know, the Torah to me is a very emotional Torah. It's not a hardcore, cold, no emotional Torah. It's a very, very emotional Torah. The relationship between Abraham Avino and Sarah is amazing. It's amazing. It says first he pitched her tent, then he, then he pitched his tent. He, there was a relationship there. And of course, Yitzhak and Rivka and, and, and Yaakov and Rachel and Yaakov and Leah. And I don't, I don't know where this coldness comes from. But so, so, so girls, many times they go out, or boys, and they go out, and I'm like, I don't feel anything. Fourth date, fifth date, I don't feel anything. And then people are telling them, keep going, keep going. Till you, it'll happen, it'll happen. Fifteenth date, I don't feel anything, right? So at what point? Why, why should you have to go out 15 times? So the girl herself has to know her status. After seven, six, six, seven times, she really knows in her heart, this guy's not for me, but she goes out another 10 times because someone's telling her, that's not your status. Wrong. You have to make a decision on your own at that point, six, seven times. He's not for me. He's not for you. I'm not saying the first time or the second time, but his status doesn't mean you have to go out 900 times, right, until you like him. It's not, you know, so I, I very much feel it's a very big question. It's a very, it's a very girly question. Guys don't ask that question. They don't ask any questions. Yeah. Right. This is question is a big woman question. Like, what's my Ishtadlis in, in, in Shidduchim? And I heard, I overheard so many, many different shurim. I, I, I think your Ishtadlis is to try your hardest, but I think that every person, you know, has to, when it comes to someone else, don't back off. No matter what, you just keep pushing and pushing when it comes to someone else. When it comes to you, I think that, that, that a person has to know at a certain point, it's just not working and it's not working. You know, you have to go fight them. But that doesn't mean in growth. In growth, my famous story with the elevator, you all know my story with the elevator, right? You all know my story with the elevator, famous elevator story. No. You do or you don't? No. Okay, now I know you don't. You start the story with an elevator. So there's a king. I wasn't going to say this tonight, but I guess it's meant to be. So there was a king, and um, he had the most beautiful, special princess. And all the princes and all the guys wanted to marry her. He didn't know what to do. Who's, who's going to get to marry her? So he built a tower with a thousand steps. And he took her and he put her on top of the tower in a room. And he said he's going to make a race. And it's going to start when it gets dark outside. And the first guy to get to the top of the tower gets the princess. And you only have until sunrise. After sunrise, it's over. And if nobody's up there... She comes back down, and maybe we'll run the race again, or maybe she just won't get married. But no one, once the sun rises, it's over. Okay, so you got the princess, right? You got 25,000 men at the bottom step, ready to go. Everybody's 
the Boston Marathon. Everybody's going to get the princess. Every guy thinks, oh, yeah, I'm the fastest. You know, we're going to get up there. See, thousand steps are very big steps and very steep. So they all start. Everyone's going to get the princess. And they're all screaming to the top of the tower, princess, wait for me. Right, okay. Anyway, how long is the night? It's from 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock in the morning. They don't got much time. And they start all running up. And, of course, the heavy set guys, you know, they're up about 40 steps, and they can't breathe anymore. And they're like, I can't do this. This is crazy. And, you know, guys were very different than girls. The minute we can't do anything, we start making stories in our head, right? It's like, he's up, right, he's up 50 steps. He's like, ah! Probably, she's probably no princess up there. The whole thing's a sketch. Ah! Right, because he can't make it anymore. Okay, so all those guys are out 50 steps up. And then the next guy are out about 150 steps up. And slowly but surely, and the clock's running, Slowly but surely, one after another, they're all dropping off. And each guy's telling the other guy, eh, the whole thing's a sketch. Don't worry, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But there are guys that want to, they want to marry the princess. They're stopless, right? And then uh, they're, they're running up and they're running up. And there's like two hours left. And they're only halfway. They're only up to the 500 step. And they realize that they're traveling already for six hours. And they only did 500 steps. The next 500 steps are going to be crazy. And, and half of them are like, hey, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. So Nebuchadnezzar, these poor guys, they ran half. Right, they're out of breath, they're sweating, their backs hurt, their, their feet hurt, their heads are pounding, and they realize it's, it's, it, was a, it was set up, it was an impossibility. So they all turn around and they start walking down the steps. And they're all saying to each other, ach, the whole thing just to make us look like fools. Probably the king is sitting there waiting when the sun comes up with like thousands of people who are going to laugh at all the idiots that try to go up the steps that of course can never make it. And he set us up to be like comedy hour in the morning. There's like 20 guys left. And one of the 20 guys was an Avram Avino. He turns to them and he says, okay, let, let's, let's think about this. we got two hours left. It took us six hours to get halfway. It's going to take us another six hours. We can't make it, right? But it doesn't make sense. I know the king. I live in this kingdom. I know the king. This is not a joker. He's not a comedian. He's not a wise guy. He's not a sketcher. It has to be that it's possible to do this. He would have never set us up on something that's impossible. So they're having this whole discussion. All right, you're the leader. Let's go. Interesting, like by Koyrach. If he's going to go and he's going to win, then they're not going to get anything. But whatever, everyone's thinking he's going to make it. Anyway, they're going, they're going, they're going. There's an hour left. Where are they? On the 580th step, 600th step, wherever it is. Forget it. There's an hour left, 400 steps. There's no way. So 18 of them, like, they start running down. They're like, we're not going to be here when the sun comes up. Everyone's going to laugh. We're going to run down the steps. You two, Meshagam, are going to be stuck on the steps, on the 700th step. And everyone's going to be pointing, look at those two flies, you know, two little flies up on the, on the steps. Guys, come with us. And they're like, this guy's like, no, no, no. Something's wrong here. I know the king. He would never set us up on something that's impossible. Kodesh Baruch would never set you up on an Isayan that you can't pass. I know the king. So it's him and this other guy. And they're going up, there's two guys left. And they're going up, and there's 45 minutes, and there's a half an hour, and the other guy is now realize there's a half an hour left and they're looking up they got another 300 steps or whatever it is to go up and he's like hey I know that you know the king but we were running the whole time and as human beings this is the furthest you can get he says listen let's go down and the king will see that nobody made it maybe he'll have a lottery for his daughter and all you need to do is pick out a number from a hat right he's going to see that no one made it so he's like no I don't give up. This is one of the speech, first speeches I gave when I started dealing with, with addiction. Said, no! 
he says, what are you crazy? We have 20 minutes left. You, you see you can't make it. He goes, I know, but there's something wrong here. And the other guy's, well, that's it. I'm done. And he starts, he runs down the steps. And he's running down the steps because he only has 20 minutes to get to the bottom step. But he's running down the steps. This guy's standing there. He's like, I, I don't hop. It's, it's, it was an impossibility. I mean, I was running the whole time. I don't hop what this king did. He said, but I have 20 minutes left. So what am I, stupid? I, I got till here. I'm going to walk the next 20 minutes. And wherever I get, I get. Maybe the king will give me the princess because I got the furthest. Maybe he said, you got to get to the top. But that's not, really, that's, not really, that's not really how you win her. It's the guy that makes it the furthest. So maybe that's what it is. Steps on to the next step. You can write a poem about this. Steps on to the next step. Remember that guy ran down the steps. He ran down all the steps. He takes the next step. And all of a sudden, the step in front of him opens up. And an elevator comes out. And the door opens. And he's like, I knew it. It, it. it didn't make sense that the king would put me in a situation. The king had it timed perfectly that if a guy would run at his top speed, that he would get to this step to trigger the elevator 15 minutes before. So the king knew that it was possible, but you had to get to that step. You had to believe in yourself. But more than believing in yourself, girls... You have to believe in the king. You knew you couldn't make it, so you should have stopped. But you also knew the king's not a sketcher. The king doesn't put you in a situation that you can't make it happen. You can't win. You can't succeed. That was the test. The test wasn't what you think of yourself. Every guy, when he started running, thought he could make it. The test is, what do you think of the king? And of course, he goes into the elevator, and you know, with my imagination, I see the whole—I see the whole story. I see him sweating and profusely and huffing and puffing. And he gets into this elevator, and there's a, a bottle of champagne and a rose, <laughs> and and one button, one button on the elevator, just one. P, penthouse, top floor, princess, and he pushes the button. And the elevator goes up, and one minute to sunrise, the elevator lands on the top floor, and the door opens, and there sits the princess, and he walks out, and of course, that's his prize, and she's like, wow, you're the only one that made it, because you're the only one that knew who my father really was, because she knew the whole test, and she wanted to marry somebody, it was her test. Not the king's test. She wanted to marry someone who understood her father and understood who her father was. That should be the prince of this kingdom. The Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us all these tests. And many times, we can't succeed. We can't. What are you talking about? It's impossible. I can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. Girls, Hashem has a trick step in your life, in everybody's life. That when you step on that step, all of a sudden an elevator shows up. How sad, how sad in the next world, after 120 years, how many people come up there and say, Hashem, I tried, and I tried, and I couldn't. And Hashem says, let me show you when you turned around and you gave up, girl, when you wanted to change your life and you wanted to give up movies and Facebook and all that other stuff and you tried and you tried and you couldn't do it and you gave up. 
The next step was the elevator. I was waiting for you. Kershbochu says, I was waiting for you, Sarah. Hi, I was waiting for you on the next step. And you turned around and walked down. You missed it. Oh, man, give me another chance. No more chances. Shemayim, that's the famous, the famous words, three words, four words. Give me another chance. And then Shemayim has one word back. No. <laughs> Unless you got to come back in Gilgal. Then you're a rock. Then you're a tomato plant. Then you're a cow. And then you're a human, finally. We don't want to go through that. It's no fun. I'm telling you. This, this what I'm telling you is this Rashi. Is this Rashi? The whole story I just told you is this Rashi. Avramavina was sitting there and he's trying to do a bris mila and he can't do it. But even though he can't do it and his hands are shaking, he didn't put the knife down and say, Hashem, I'm 99 years old. What are you, you think I'm a surgeon? I can't do this. He said, I want to do it. I want to do it. Help me. Kishboku, the, the, the trick step. Kishboku put his sholach as yodoi. We don't even understand what this means. Hashem sent his hand and held onto Avram Avinu's hand. Oh my goodness, Hashem can hold your hand? That whole story that the, it's not a Jewish story, you know, when Hashem walks with you in the sand. With the two footsteps, oh, it's so, so mushy, so emotional. You know. What was it when there was only one set of footsteps? God picked you up and those are his footsteps. It happens to be a Christian saying, but it happens to be a pretty amazing saying, but it's not a Jewish saying, but... Hashem doesn't have to pick you up and hold you. Hashem can walk with you. There could be two sets of... We don't have, it doesn't have to be one set. It could be two sets of, of, of footprints. And this is what Akash Baruch was telling us over here. You have to do your Ishtadlus. But when you can't anymore, I'll be there. It's amazing that we... I didn't talk to you before this year. That was your whole poem was written on that. Wherever I am, you are... It's a fascinating Rashi. People don't talk about this Rashi because it's a little graphic. I didn't translate all the words. Because the Rashi is a little bit graphic. What happened... So people don't really talk about it. I think it's one of the most important Rashi's in the whole Torah. Everyone knows that Hashem spoke to Moshe Pe'el Peh. Nobody knows. If I, if I gave a quiz and said, whose hand did God ever hold? I don't know, Adam's, maybe? No. Avram Avinu's hand. It's a Pelotika Rashi. Nobody knows about this. Kishbaruch held Avram Avinu's hand, not lovingly walking across the beach. No, that's not where he held his hand. He held his hand when he wanted to give himself a bris and he couldn't. He holds your hand... He holds your hand when you can't anymore. That's when he holds your hand. What a Rashi. What a crazy Rashi. He holds your hand when you can't anymore. Okay. I think that's enough on that Rashi. Let's go to Pasha Vayera. And we'll see that Pasha Vayera is very connected to this. A girl, a girl in my class this week in, um, in seminary asked, uh, and asked, and asked an amazing question. And... Um, I'm going to repeat the question, and I, I, I went to a bunch of Gedolim to get the answer, and it's, it's an amazing question she asked. Hashem appeared to him in Alone Mamre. Avinu was sitting at the doorway of the tent, in the heat of the day. Okay? And he lifted up his eyes, because when it comes to Chesed, girls, don't wait till Chesed comes to you. Avinu didn't sit in his tent and said, okay, when someone knocks on my door, I'll give them something to eat. That's not what happened. Avinu is the study of chesed. If you want to study chesed, he is chesed. He's gemilas chesedim. 
if you want to do good and you want to help people, don't sit back and wait until they ask you for a quarter or they need help. What happened? He looked for people that needed help. And he saw. There were three men standing right in front of him. He saw again. And he ran to meet them. And he bowed down. And he said, I don't know you, my master. I find favor in your eyes. Please do not, do not go to the next hotel. Come to my house. Listen to this question. What was going on here? So everyone knows that it was the third day after the bris. Avraham Avinu was sick. Right? He wasn't feeling well. Hashem came to be Mavakachola. Hashem came to visit Avraham Avinu because he was sick. We learned from this. Bikacholim. Ruth knows all about that. She goes to the hospital. Right? It's a big thing to walk into a room when someone's sick. You give them, right, that smile that you give them life. It's, it's very lonely in a hospital bed. And especially there's so many people in hospitals that don't have family. So nobody says, oh, what does the nurse say? You know? You know, stop ringing the bell. And when someone walks in and says, can I give you a cup of water? Can I help you? It's a very big thing. We don't, we don't even understand what that. We don't even understand that, right? But you can't wait for the sick person to come to you. You've got to go to the hospital do Bikr Chaylam. You've got to go visit them. I don't do hospitals. Makes me nauseous. Right? People tell me, I don't do hospitals. Makes me nauseous. News that's a bigger mitzvah if it makes you nauseous. Do you only do chesed? You bake challah? That's something you like? Go to the places that make you nauseous. If you can handle it. If your mamish doesn't make you go. I don't like to go to Sloan. I don't like to go to this one. I don't like to go to that one. Things that, that are not easy are, are the things that make you grow. You know, you don't get muscles from lifting feathers. You get muscles, you lift 10 pounds. And then your body gets used to 10 pounds. So they put it, girls don't do this, they don't bodybuild. But then you, they put it up, another 10 pounds. Now you're doing 20 pounds. And after a week of 20 pounds, now it's 30 pounds. And all of a sudden you're doing 80 pounds and 90 pounds. Because if you keep doing 10 pounds, you don't, your muscles don't grow anymore. So, so the harder things are that you take on yourself, the stronger your neshama becomes. So don't just say, oh, this makes me nauseous to smell the hospital. I get sick. So go once, get sick. Throw up. Go the second time, you won't be so sick. Go the third time. Push yourself. Push yourself. That's how you grow. That's what Avraham Avinu did here. He, he, he said, it's not good enough for me to sit in the house. Sure, you sit in the house, people are going to come and they need help. Right? But he, 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 he looked. Now, Hakushbachu came to Milvakachayla. When Avram Avinu saw the three Arabs, right, the Arab, the three Arabs, he got up, he said, Hashem, sorry, I got a mitzvah to do. Which is a crazy story altogether, how to understand that. God's in your house, and you're like, hold on, I got to go do, do um, a mitzvah of Gemilas Chasadim. We learn from here, right? All the Mephoshim say, we learn from here, ladies, that Gemilas Chasadim is greater than seeing the Pnei Hashchina, than seeing Hashem. So, when you're sitting on the bus saying to Hillel, what? The first thing you said is greater. What is greater? Oh, um, uh, doing good for other people is greater than seeing the face of God. So, when you're sitting on the bus and you're davening Shachris and you're saying to Hillel, right? And you're into it. And then an old lady walks in. Instead of sitting there and continuing saying to Hillel, get off the chair and give it to her. Even if you're in the middle of davening. Why? Because Chesed is bigger than Paneshkina. The lady looks at him and says, oh, look at this Jewish girl. She's praying, but I'm standing. So there's a place to pray. and There's a place to stand. And uh, I don't understand so much. I've spoken about it, about young ladies on their way to work on the train, praying on the train. I think you have to get up 15 minutes earlier and pray in your house. First of all, how can you pray on the train? 
right? You're squished, and everyone's talking, and it's going like this, right? Unless you shuckle the whole davening, right? Wake up 15 minutes, show, show Hashem that you're not just something on my way to work, I have nothing else to do, so I'm going to take out my sitter. I was on the train, I need to use the time, instead of reading New York Times. No, get up 15 minutes early, daven. Now, if you want to be on the train, you don't want to see people looking at you, and you don't want to look at people, and you want to say to Hillel, I'm fine, but davening shachs on a train, I don't know. And davening mincho, and all these crazy places I see girls davening, I go to a restaurant, right, and, and, and there's a girl standing there in the corner of the restaurant, shackling and davening mincho, do me a favor. It's a rest, what are you doing? Everyone has to see you daven mincha? Whatever, you got to think about it. People have to think a little bit before what, what they do. I'm not telling you not to daven mincha. You should daven mincha. There's a place to daven mincha. You daven mincha in a restaurant. You have to give color to Hashem. You have to show Hashem that mincha and these prayers are outside of my life. I'm going to stop my life. I'm going to stop my life for 15 minutes. Right? I'm not going to be on a train. I'm not going to be in a restaurant. I'm actually going to give you private time where I'm going to go somewhere private and pray to you for 15 minutes. I went to a Yankee game Monday night. It was very nice. A man came over to me and says, Hey, Wallstein, I know that you don't spend that much time with your kids. Here's four tickets. Go. Take your daughters to a Yankee game. So Monday night I went to a Yankee game. Okay. I learned a lot of things from the Yankee game. You know, because I haven't been. I don't go to games. So I'm in the middle of writing my Yankee speech, right? If they lose, then I can talk about it. If they win, I won't. But anyway, so that game was never... Because Baruch was like, Wallerstein, give Shior and learn Torah, don't go to Yankee games. They lost 8 nothing. It was like the worst game. They were playing like the Mets. It was like the worst game they were ever in. It was like, you stay away. I was like, never. You know, the poor Yankees have to suffer because I went to the game. But anyway, so, this, uh, honest, honest. So I had to go to the bathroom, like by the 6th inning, 7th inning. I had to go to the bathroom. So I went up, I got up, and I went to the bathroom. Now, now in Yankee Stadium, you go to the bathroom, so... The rotunda, you know, where, where the people, where all the people walk around to get to their seats, is crazy noise. First of all, there are lines to get beer and all this. All the guys are yelling and screaming. And then there's a screen above everywhere they sell soda, so that the people that are buying soda can watch the game. So there's a lot of noise going on. And chas for one second, you shouldn't be in the bathroom. They're piping in the game. Chas for one second, you shouldn't be out of the game. You should know wherever you are, you should be able to see the game. Okay. So, so, I, so I'm going to the bathroom. All of a sudden, this guy come, goes out with a Jewish guy, right? I love it. They wear Yankee caps, but you can tell, right? So his, he's got pants, he's got sitzes, and he's, he's wearing, you know, like, are you Jewish? Okay. Anyway, so he comes over to me, and he goes, no, no, minion. You know, I'm a minion guy, right? I'm like, minion? It's a sixth inning. Like, minion? He goes, yeah. And he shows me that in a corner, all this crazy, if you went to a game, crazy cheering and cursing and don't ask, Right? There's like 20 guys davening Marv. So in the old days, I would be here and I'd say, wow, even at a Yankee game, right? Even at a Yankee game, the davening Marv. You know, in a casino, in the pit where all the big players are, they're having a minion for, 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 for Mincha. It's a big thing, right? Because if you pray with a minion, maybe you'll win. I don't know exactly what the Chajman is, right? But it, so, so at this Yankee game, so normally I'd be, wow, look at this, right? And the guy am walking by and they're cursing and this and that. And these guys are like in a corner, but there's so much noise. And they're davening Meyer. And they're like, no, no, no. So first of all, I was, going to, I was on my way to the bathroom, so I'm not gonna, I can't dive Meyer. But, but even if I wasn't on the way to the bathroom, my look changed a little bit. In the old days, I would have dived in there. No question. No more. I don't do this anymore. I'm like, Hashem deserves. You, you went to a game. You sat there for three hours. You're watching Yankees for three hours. Total stupidity. A man with a, with a, with a, with a club, like, like, like prehistoric, you know, with a club, trying to hit a ball. A guy's throwing a ball at a guy, and he's hitting the ball. I happen to be, I happen to be a sports fan. So Baruch Hashem, the Yitzhahari came up with this game, right? And you have hundreds of thousands of people that watch it. 
So they're not, they're not attacking and destroying the Jewish nation. So you have all these sports. Sports are good. I, I, it's, it's like the best Yetzirah in the world. It really is. It's, it is the best Yetzirah in the world. Again, you have to, everything has to, if you're making a Vaidizar and, and you have pictures of the guys on your walls, then, then it's talking no good. But to play sports for sure is good. It's, it's a good Yetzirah. Of all the Yetzirahs, it's, 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 it's the best. Anyway, I said to myself, five, ten years ago, I would have gone to that minion. But now, I have a different sensitivity. I'm like, Hashem deserves 15-minute Meyerov in a shul. <laughs> so you're coming back to Brooklyn after the game. Yes, it's 11.30 at night. But Landau's has Minyanim till 1. And Shem Shabbos has Minyanim till 3. Till 3 a.m. I go to that minion every once in a while to see who's about to get engaged. Because any guy that's in that minion, that means he had a crazy long date. So I'm a little bit of a yenta. Any, any young guy that walks into a 3 o'clock minion, I know for sure, I'm like, I let that call my wife, I'm like, Esty, this guy, this guy, and this guy with a 3 o'clock minion. Within a week, we're going to hear, because what guy shows that goes to a, a, on a date till 3 o'clock? And sometimes the girl's even sitting in the car, 3 in the morning, waiting for him to dive. Ah, bliss, what a, what, a, what a girl, right? What a Tadek and stuff. Anyway, 15 minutes. So I was like, I, was like, I wasn't going to give a musr, but I'm like, you think you're making a Kiddush Hashem by having 30 guys daven at a baseball game. But really, really, what are you telling Hashem? Well, during the baseball game, while the other team is up, and I don't really care what they do, I'm going to chop a Meirev. Yes, the, the, the Badich of Arav would have said, unbelievable, even at a baseball game, they're worried about Minyan, 100%. And, and, and they have a schus. But there's another step. And I think the other step is that Hashem deserves private time. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. Private time is not on... You want to say Tehillim? I have no problem. You want to say Tehillim on a train because you want to see all the guys and everyone that's there and all the Toma? 100%. Say Tehillim. But Davin Shachris? No. Hashem deserves a Shachris. It's a relationship. Imagine if a guy... Girls, imagine if a guy took you on a date and the whole date, right? You're on a packed subway the whole date trying to talk to each other, right? In rush hour. For four hours... Right? You're on that train, and that's your date. And date's over. Okay, we're going home. And the whole time, he's talking to you, you're squished. And right? There's people talking, radios, cursing, and you're talking to each other. You would never go out with him a second time. What, are you crazy? Couldn't take me to a lounge? Couldn't talk to me in the car? Couldn't take me to a library, wherever you were going to take? You're talking to me in a packed train going back and forth from Brooklyn to Manhattan for four hours? That's our date? It's over. So what's the difference between davening on a train? That's your date. You're talking to Hashem. So say to Hillel, I'm not saying, but that's your specific three times a day, or at least men, we have a date with Hashem. You want to date Hashem and, and, and talk to Him in a Yankee game with everyone cursing and screaming? No. You go to Landau's and you spend 15 minutes, right? And you, and you talk to HaKadosh Baruch People, we, we just, we get lost. Give Him some time, girls. Every single day, three dates a day. Three times a day where you can talk to Hashem private. You and him, private. I have no idea why I got off the subject, but it must, there must be a reason. All right. Anyway, so I want to read you a Medjitan Chuma. Ah, I love God. He's, he's amazing. You, you, have to learn, you have to learn about Hashem. That, that's what's missing in all our schools. Not in all our schools. But that's what's missing in a lot of our, in a lot of our chinuch, this relationship with God. If you learn about how he cares about us, then your relationship would change. Listen to this Medrash Rabbah. The Medrash Rabbah says like this. Anyway, 
just before I get that, I'm a little ADD. This, the question that the girl asked in my class, amazing, listen to this question. Ateras Nava, seminary girl. She said, Rabbi, I don't understand something. Hashem came to visit Avram, right? Because he had a bris milah. Then, he sent, mm-hmm. as you're going to hear from this medrash, he sent three malachim, he sent three angels to visit Hashem. One of them was Malach Rafael. Malach Rafael healed Avram, that's why he was sent. If Hashem was already in the tent, why are you coming to visit him, heal him? You're here, you're in the tent, you're God. So why are you coming to be Mavakechayla? Mavakechayla, visiting a sick person, takes one sixtieth of their disease. Now, when I was a kid, I said, okay, so bring 60 people in, right? And the guy was going to get up and it's over. No, it's one sixtieth. And then the next person takes a 60th of that, and then of that, of that, of that. So six people, it's one 60th of each 60th. So it doesn't end up that if 60 people walk in, but you know what? If a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people walk in, the attacker will help him very much. So the question here that she asked is amazing. She said, Hashem, you're in the room, so you're coming to me the Because when you visit a person, right, as Ruth knows, when you come to visit a person who's sick, and you give them a smile, they become, they feel a little better. Hashem, what are you playing games? Being a vaca Walk into the room and give him a refuah. Now we know Hashem wanted to get a refuah because he said Malach Rafal. So it's not like you're going to tell me Hashem said, no, we're not giving him a refuah. He should heal like a normal human being. No, you sent an angel to heal him. So if you're sending an angel to heal him, why don't you do it yourself? What a question. Good question. Good question, my seminary. Come on. If I would have had my seminary when my daughter was looking for a seminary, I would have sent it to my seminary. <laughs> That's established. Your daughter needs a seminary, you open one. <laughs> That's established. You want to know established? That's established. Anyway, so the question is, why didn't Hashem heal him? So I said, ain't saying Chumalah You can't live your life expecting a miracle. So why should Hashem make a miracle for Avram Avinu? Right? We don't depend on miracles. So another girl said, but he already made a miracle. He took the sun, right, out of its normal orbit, and he made it very, 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 very hot, so nobody would travel. So Hashem, if you made a miracle already, so save him. Shh, now you're a question. Now let's learn the Medrash, and I'll tell you the answer. So listen to the Medrash. The Noyag the minig, the custom of the world is when a Rebbe's student is sick, when a teacher's student is sick, and the, and the Rebbe wants to go visit his student, right? The rabbi's going to visit his student, his student's home, he's sick, and the rabbi tells his class, I'm going to visit Chaim, he's sick. What happens? The Talmidim go ahead of the Rebbe, they are messengers and they come to the house of the sick person to tell him, Rebbe's coming, Rebbe's coming, Rebbe's coming. Sit up in your bed. You know, the mother should, you know, they should put away all the TVs and everything, whatever's in the house. Get rid of the magazines, get rid of the TVs. Rebbe's coming to the house. Rebbe's coming to visit. That's the normal way when a rabbi is going to visit the house. All the kids like run ahead. Okay, we're going to tell him that you're coming. That's covered for the Rebbe. Vakarish Baruchu ain't okay. Says the Medrash Tanchuma, but Hashem is not like that. 
Kishamal Avraham, when Avraham had a bris milah, and he was sick from the milah, Hashem told his angels, Rafal Gavriel Michal, Lelech Levakro, go, go, that's right, he sent them, go visit Avraham Avinu, Hashem told his three angels, go visit the sick, go visit Avraham Avinu. Before the angels got a chance to get to Avraham Avinu, Hashem went ahead of them. Because Baruch Hu said, uh-uh. A regular human being, the students come, the Rebbe's coming. He says, I don't need anyone to tell, tell Avram that I'm coming. I want to go ahead of them. So he sent the Malachim, and then he beat him to it. Shanema, how do you know this? Because it says in the Pasuk, Hashem, that Hashem appeared to Avram. And after that, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the three Malachim. So we see that Hashem beat the three Malachim. So Kosh Baruch Hu himself said that normally by a human being, right, so the Rebbe gets covered that the Talmudim go first. I don't want such covered. I don't need my angels coming and telling Avram, get ready, sit up, put your tulin on, put your tzitzes on. God's coming. No, I'm not on that. And, and, and he brings many rights. We don't have Hashem's. I'm not on that level. When it comes to helping people, I'm, I'm just like another person. And it's unbelievable because the Medrash brings seven rights that a Kushboko acts like that with us. That he says, he says, uh, every Pusik where he says, I'm Gibor, I'm Kale, I'm your God, I'm the strongest, I'm the master of the universe, the next Pusik says, and I love and I take care of the widow and the orphan, and the ger, and the person who converts. So they ask a question, Hashem, either you're great, or you're, make up your mind, and I take care of the, the broken person, and I take care of the poor person. And, but every person before it says he takes care of the poor person, says how great he is. So the kasha is, is, is Hashem great, or is Hashem in the, in, the, in the sewer with the people that are broken? What's the deal? So that's the Medrash says, first we want to tell you how great he is. How, how unbelievable he is. And even though he's unbelievable, all he cares about is a broken person. If I wouldn't tell you how great he is, so you'd say, okay, he's broken, they're broken, they get along with each other. So the Pusik builds up, it's God. He comes to Abraham Avinu, no fanfare. You know, anytime a child that comes from Eretz Yisrael, like a big Mekubal, so Yated, and, 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 and not the Jewish press, but Yated, and Hamodiah, and, 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 and all the Israeli papers, and Tzadik Balayir. Get prepared. There's a big tzad coming to New York. Right? You have to be prepared. No preparation. Hashem came to Abraham Avinu. For me, for me, you don't need no preparation. I'm nobody. That's the God. That, that's our God. That's a Kosh Baruch Hu, to teach us. That's how we have to be. And no matter how great you are, you should feel great. And you should feel potential. And you should feel you're unbelievable. That makes it much greater when you bend down to, her, to help someone that's broken. So, the answer to the question is that Hashem could have Tataka healed him. But Hashem wanted to show that there is something also in, in helping and letting others do. In other words, not only in Mitzvah, there's a, there's a, a missionary in says that a person who, give, who gives tzedakah and wants others to give tzedakah, tzaddik. A person who doesn't give tzedakah and doesn't want anyone else to give tzedakah, Russia. A person who gives tzedakah, but he doesn't want anyone else to give tzedakah. It's also no good. Why not? I'm giving tzedakah. Because a person is supposed to, to enable other people also to do chesed. Don't do it all yourself. So Hashem wanted to show here two things. One, 
Bikr Cholim. Because if he healed him, then it's not Bikr Cholim. Right? So he wanted to show us the mitzvah Bikr Cholim is a separate mitzvah than healing somebody. It's a mitzvah Bikr Cholim. If he would have healed him, it wouldn't have been a mitzvah. He came to heal him. He didn't come to heal him. He came to be Mavaka Cholim. Rufal came to heal him. Hashem came to be Mavaka Cholim. That's why Rashi says that we learn Bikr Cholim from here. The Bikr Cholim was bigger than healing. Rufal is going to heal him. Me, I'm not going to heal him. Because I want to teach every, every Jew that, he, that, that visiting someone, not healing someone, visiting someone is bigger than talking to Hashem, Panam al Panam. That's the answer to this girl's question. So I want to end with this thought. So it says in the Pusik twice, and I, I've spoken about this before, it says in the Pusik twice, Vayar. Right? It says, Vayisa Enav, he looked up, Vayar, and he saw, Vihinesh Leishanashim, there were three men in each of him. Vayar, he saw, Vayar, that's the cross. I mean, it already said he saw. Why does it say he saw twice? In the Pasuk Beis, in Perigidches, in the second Pasuk of Vayera, it says, he lifted up his eyes and he saw, and then he saw, and he ran. What's the two Vayars? If he saw already that they were standing there, so what do you mean he saw them again? He saw them. So, on the downside, on the bad side, and this was really a boy shear last night that I spoke to them about. So, when you look at something you're not supposed to, girls don't really have this in the street because what, a guy's going to walk by what? What's going to look like already, right? But, uh, but boys have this. A girl, you go to Manhattan to work and they, they walk across the street or they get on the bus, they're not dressed. Now, this boy is trying to grow and he's trying to have, you know, Shemir Sinayim. What do you want from him? He's not, he's not a dog. He can't walk with his head down on the ground. He's walking and the girl walks across Avenue J. She's not dressed. He doesn't get punished for that. Unless he went to a beach. Okay. But if he's in a normal place and someone walks by not dressed and he sees it, he doesn't get punished for that. You get punished for the second look. The second look is a look in anything, in anything, not good or bad. The second look is where you take it into your soul. It sort of satisfies a certain need. It could be beauty. You could be watching a sunrise. So if you just get up and you just get out of right, you, you're getting into your car and the sun's rising and you jump into your car, it makes no impression on you. You will not remember it. It doesn't satisfy anything in your body or in your head or anything. You got into the car, there was a sunrise. But if you stand and you look at a sunrise and you're like, wow. And you take it in. It's called habata. You take it in. So it gives you a certain, ah. Chasr Shalom, you look at the wrong thing. Also gives you a certain, ah. Which you get punished for. So, Sasuru means to follow. So, when the girl walks by and you just see her, and, and you, I'm not looking at her again, it, it doesn't make an impression in your, in your head. But if you follow her, if you're like, whoa, and you watch her go across the street, that's the one you're going to get smacked. That's the one you're going to get petched. Not only are you going to get petched in the next world, that, that, that destroys your soul. So it's not the first look, it's the second look. On the, dark, on the bad side, it's that second look. Of course, the first look we're talking about, not where you turn on your screen and you're taking a good first look. We're talking about a first look by chance. Something popped on the screen. You, you, you turned on your thing and someone sent you some crazy email and it popped on the screen and, ah! and you turn it off. You won't remember what you saw. But if you take an extra look for two seconds, you'll never forget what you saw. The second look, the second vayar. This is what this Pasuk is telling us here. Many of us do chesed with one look. Oh, she looks like she needs help. Here, bye. Avram Avinu teaches us that to do real chesed, you have to look twice. Look at the different reaction from the first look and the second look. Vayar, His first look was just, there are three people that are standing here that might need help. 
That was his reaction. Second look. Vayar, he looked again. Boom, Vayar at Sakrasam. He took off and started running to meet them. Second look caused the reaction. I, I, I've told this to you before. You know, Chapanash is this little blonde lady, an older lady that stands outside every Friday morning. And she collects for years. And I like her. She always says nice things to me. She tells me when the meter maid is coming, your things are going out. And she always tells me every Friday, oh, you look so good, you're so handsome. So I like her. I'm, I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy. I don't miss it. Even if I don't need anything in Chapanash, I go there just for that. I'm like... I walk in, I walk out, I'm like, oh, really? I'm still handsome? Good. Anyway, she's really, she's really nice. She's really, really, she's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. So, sometimes I just watch. You know, people walk out, they throw a quarter into a cup, right? Some people give a dollar. Some ladies are very nice. They stop. You know, how are you? You're a dollar, right? So every once in a while, I'm in a good mood, I give her two dollars. Depends on how the compliment went that day, right? Depends, right? But I, I feel very good because I always make sure that I give her, and I, I feel good. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you do something good for someone else, who does it make you feel good? It makes you feel good more than the other person. Right, for sure. Be selfish. Make other people, you know, it doesn't sound normal, right? Be selfish, make other people happy. That's being selfish because it's going to make you happy. Be selfish. Make everybody in the world happy. Oh, that's so selfish. Right, but it's great. That's the only time you can be selfish. Anyway, so one day, this was about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I come walking out, I'm feeling good myself, my chala, my kosla. I come walking out, and she's sitting there, it's in the middle of the winter, she's sitting there, you know, shivering, I'm like, because she, she sits here in the winter too, and I take a, oh, I gotta give her two dollars, it's winter. Right, so I give her two dollars, I put her in a cup, and all of a sudden walking across the street is this young girl, Bishaka girl, not Bishaka, I don't know, whatever, you know, young girl coming from the pizza shop across the street from Chapanash, right, with a, a, cu- a cup of coffee, steaming coffee, and, and a muffin. And she, she brings it to her, and the, and the lady says, oh, thank you very much. And it seems to be that this girl brings this lady this every, every Friday. And this woman says to me, wow, she is such a nice girl. She brings me, she knows how my coffee is, how I like it, and she brings it to me every Friday. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm only one vayar. I put her money in her cup, goodbye, have a good day, I'm on my way. This girl goes, waits online, makes the coffee exactly the, the way the woman likes it, buys her a muffin, serves it to her. That's a double vayar. That's a person who sees that it's not just a, a seducker box with its hand out, put a dollar in, but that connected to the box is a hand. And connected to the hand is a person. And connected to the person is a soul that was created by Tzalem Elohim. That girl was able to see way past the pushka. I wasn't. She had a vayar, a second look. She had the ability to see twice. One of my favorite stories, which I said here a while back, is these two guys from USU that were sent to Africa to sell shoes. USU, the biggest company here, 40 years ago, sent their two best salesmen to Africa to sell shoes. So, one guy comes back in two days. He's back in the United States. He goes into the CEO. The CEO says, what'd you do? Why are you back? He says, that was the most silly mission you sent us on. I go to Africa. Nobody in Africa wears shoes. We're not going to be able to sell one pair of shoes. Okay? One week, two weeks, three weeks. This is such an important story for us. This is the story of the steps and the elevator. Four weeks, they get a telex from the guy in Africa. Send me 60,000 pairs of shoes. U.S. shoe. 60,000 pairs of shoes? What? One guy comes back. There's no, nobody wears shoes. What are you going to do here? So he writes on the telex. You're not going to believe it. We found heaven for shoes. Not one person in Africa has shoes. No competition, he wrote. 
We're going to be the only ones. I want to open 40 stores. Two guys looking at bare feet. One sees failure. What are we going to do with bare feet? We're not, they're not going to buy shoes. And the other one says, what an opportunity. Nobody has shoes yet. We're going to be the first one. U.S. Shoe is the biggest exporter of shoes to Africa ever. Thanks to that salesman. The second look. First look is, they're all barefoot. I'm going home. Idiot. Are you stupid? They're all barefoot. You can put a pair of shoes on every one of their feet. This is a gold mine. He took one look. He took two. Vayar, vayar. It's the second look that brings you to Vayaretz Lakosom. To run. To meet the world. To help others. First look, you don't see much. You really don't see much in the first look. On the dark side and on the light side. You got to look again. So, so someone asked me today. They want me to speak somewhere, whatever it is. I hate this question. It's like, so Red Wallace saying like, how did you get your, your high school and everything? You know, how, like, how do you, people like you and they relate to you? And like, what do you do different? You know, I listen to your shir and they're a little out of the box, you know. But, but, but and I'm like, hey, I told him. I said, it's a guy from a good or whatever. I said, I said, you know what? My whole shir is, 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 it's the second look, man. You gotta be able to not, not look at the chitzainias of the person, not look at the outer shell of the person and make a decision because the girl's not dressed correctly or she's talking funny or she's got a tongue ring or whatever you're looking at. That's not what, that's not what you're looking at. Connected to that tongue ring and connected to the short skirt and connected to whatever she's wearing because she's in rebellion or she's in pain or whatever it is, connected to the pushka is a hand. And connected to the hand is a person. And connected to the person is a soul that was created in the image of God. You don't see that on the first look. First look. Ah! Rebel! Get out of my school! Get out of America! Throw it out! Show them along here! Out of the house! First look. Second look? By Yaretz Lekrasam. The second look gives you the ability to run towards them. Not away from them! Not even take a pasuk! Second look, look what happened. He ran towards the Arabs, not away from them. First one, everybody was standing still. Second one. And that's the difference between people who are, know how to be mechanech, know how to do chinuch. Those are the ones who have the second look. They call it the third eye. The eye in the middle of the head. The eye in the middle of the head doesn't see with flesh eyes. The eye in the middle of the head thinks. That what you see is not what you get. I had a very terrible accident two years ago. I almost died. So I have to be very careful with what I'm about to show you. Because it almost killed me the last time I did it. So I have three bottles here. Bottle of water. Bottle of vinegar. And a bottle of nitroglycerin. No, kidding. And a bottle of, I don't know. So... What kind of water is this, everybody? You can read the label. What kind of vinegar is this? Come on, half of you can't read? Let's try it again. For the camera. What kind of vinegar? What kind of water? What is this? What do you think? What do you think? Who said vodka? Who has Russian? Uh, yeah, hereditary. Okay, anyway. So everyone's going to say Amen. Baruch Atah Dinoyel Hena Melech Elam Shahakol Niyavivoro.
What is this? Water. If it was vodka, we'd go. <sighs> if it was vinegar, I'd be spitting up right now. Okay. It's water. Baruch Hashem. Good. Good science project. All right. This is very good water. It happens to be warm. Nancy, are you thirsty? Can I give you a glass of water? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Check this out. Everyone knows I would never hurt Nancy, right? You drink vodka, by the way? No. <laughs> Not one of my vices. Before, before you make the bracha, before you make the bracha, give it a smell. Tell me what you smell. Mm-mm. It ain't water. Mm-mm, vinegar. Heinz distilled pure, clear vinegar. Look how easy it is to fool a person. Just put, just put a label on it. And everyone in this room who was watching it the whole time, that's Poland Spring. Vinegar. Nancy, I don't want to kill you, but if you drank a cup of vinegar like that, that's the last poem you're going to write. But, but, I could pour you a cup of this and you can make a bracha, because this is water. Absolutely. It's a bottle of water. Now, I rinsed it out a few times. It might still smell a little bit from vinegar. It's water. So, this label fooled you. I didn't say anything. It says Heinz vinegar. And that label fooled you. Look how easy. There's so many smart girls here. They have degrees and they went to college and they're brilliant and successful. And Rabbi Wallstein can fool you with a silly bottle because it says Poland Spring. Now, what happened a few years ago when I did this so I took this bottle home with the vinegar in it. Tuesday night, I get my boy's share. So Wednesday night, I want to give my girl share. So I didn't want to waste more vinegar, so I put it in the fridge, which was very stupid because my wife, well, my wife doesn't drink water. My kids don't drink water. So I knew that nothing's going to happen. Well, guess what? The next morning, when I had to take my vitamins, I totally forgot. <laughs> it's a true story. I opened it up. I put the vitamins in my mouth, and I chugged it down. And it was, it was pure vinegar, and I could not breathe. I could not breathe. I could not breathe. I could not catch my breath. And I started throwing up. And I couldn't breathe. And I was throwing up. And I started blacking out. And I was like, I was done. I was, I was like, I took a whole chug of vinegar. And I was wondering, like, why, Hashem? I, I, you know, why'd you do this to me? He says, don't ever forget it. The label, even after you made a speech about it, fooled you. The way a person looks, even after you think about it and after you learn Chafetz Chaim and everything, still fools you. You still can suffocate because of labels. Don't judge anybody because of what they look like. Don't judge because of a label. Because that label is not what the person is. That's the second vayar. Vayar! Person who has the ability to look twice! Vayar atzlachrasam. That's a person who's going to get along with everybody. Hatzlacharabah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.